This is Lehigh Insider, the newest audio production of The Brown and White, where we give you an inside look at some of Lehigh's most recognizable faculty, staff, and other people of interest. I'm your host, Benora Ayambem, and in our first episode, I sat down with Professor of Economics, Frank Gunter. Frank and I had a great conversation about his time in the military, his love for economics, and we also talked at length about one of his publications that picked up a lot of attention last year. So in February of 2021, Professor Gunter released an op-ed titled Three Myths About Poverty, and the myths that he was debunking were... Poverty is a matter of race, poverty is generational, and the poor have no agency. He received a lot of backlash and criticism from the Lehigh community, and we talk about that today. He is a published author of a book titled The Political Economy of Iraq, which the second edition just came out a few weeks ago, and he has been a professor at Lehigh for 38 years. We have a great conversation. You're going to love it. I'll see you at the end. Welcome to the show, Professor Gunter. Well, thank you. Greatly appreciate the invitation. I'm sure we'll get to this more a little bit later, but I just have to say before we move on, you know, congratulations on the release of your second edition of your book, The Political Economy of Iraq, right? That's correct. Came out in October of last year. How does it feel? Oh, I tell you, <laughs> it took about five, six years to write the second edition, so it's good to have it done. How long was the first edition to take? First edition to came out in 2013, took about the same. Really? Uh, the country has changed so much mm. recently that almost every chapter had to be rewritten. Like writing a whole new book? Not not quite bad, bad <laughs> but uh, yeah, substantial. And then, of course, I lost time with COVID. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm excited to talk to you today. There is no shortage of things to talk about. You have... There's so much. I mean, you you had a TED Talk in 2017 that I watched. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. (laughs) Really enjoyed it. I recommend everyone go watch it. Um, You are an author, obviously, Mm -hmm. of a book, book and a half, maybe, since we're not (laughs) calling it, (laughs) since we're not calling it twice, a book and a half, um, written several articles. You are a retired U.S. Marine. I don't know how to say the word. Colonel. 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 Colonel you know, professor of economics now. So there's a lot to talk about, but I want to start with your professional background. Very drenched in economics. So economics must be just very interesting, right? I, it took me nine years to get my undergraduate education. I ended up going to five different colleges. I started off in philosophy, but uh, discovered, took my first economics course and I was hooked then and I couldn't give it up. So after my undergraduate, I went to Johns Hopkins and got my PhD. Hold on. You, you were going for philosophy. I started off as a major in philosophy. Uh-huh. And then How far in did you get? One year, exactly one year. And then I took my first economics course. And that was it. No more philosophy. Are you serious? It took one course to completely change the course of your life? It did. It did. And I imagine you knew you wanted to, like you decided on philosophy like in high school or something? Oh, no, no. Philosophy was based on, (laughs) I'm a typical undergraduate. I took one course in philosophy, loved the teacher. She was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to be a philosopher. And then the next year, took a course in economics, and I said, I want to be an economist. Whoa. But fortunately, I've stuck with economics since then. Did you enjoy philosophy, though? Very much, very Aww. much. It's an extraordinary teacher. Yeah, not enough then, if you changed <laughs> soon after. It's not too late. I, guess. <laughs> you I can go, go back. back to being a philosophy major. 
So mm. what exactly was it about economics that got you excited? I think the optimism, mm. the optimism about economics. Uh, little known fact, beginning in the 1990s through the present, for the first time in human history, there were actually fewer people at the bottom of the pyramid than there were in middle incomes. Mm. This is an incredibly optimistic occurrences. And maybe, maybe it means we have the potential of actually eliminating poverty, not just eliminating poverty in the rich countries like the United States and Germany and Japan, but eliminating poverty in, in countries throughout the world. Mm. So it's the optimism of, of mm. economics that I like. Mm. I mean, if it's the optimism, you've been doing this for a very long time. Are you still optimistic? Yes. Are things moving <laughs> forward? Because it's been a while. Yes, I am. And, and you know, things are getting better. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's, you never, it's three steps forward, one step back. So you'll have to be discouraged every time mm -hmm. an economy turns back. I also like the fact that it's, uh, it deals so much with people and their choices. Mm. And even when people are irrational in their choices, in economics, you can still say something about their choices. And, and see what the results are. Mm. So, well, nah. the principles, the principles of economics course at Lehigh, mm -hmm. more students take that than I think any other course at the university. I think so, yeah. All the business students, all the engineers have to take I it. I have to take it. And uh, some of the individual majors in the College of Arts and Science require it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of students take it just because they want to learn how the economy operates. So, so you're already dominating then. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Okay, let's talk more about your time in the military, yes. right? What were your experiences? What did you learn about yourself, about other people from interacting with them through that? You know, do you have any significant experiences from that time you can share? I, I came into the military. Uh, I went, did my first year at college, University of Miami in uh, uh, Coral Gables, Florida. Then I ran out of money, so I went mm. uh, to <laughs> Penn State for a year. And then I really ran out of money. And I started working, <laughs> left school and started working, but I wasn't getting ahead. Mm. Uh, so then I enlisted in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I enlisted in the Marines. But uh, that, I think, was the most greatest culture shock I'd ever experienced in my life. The biggest advantage or the biggest thing I learned was um, at the university, my, you know, my students are, are all really smart or they wouldn't be at Lehigh. Mm -hmm. And to spend three years working with, depending upon learning from people who didn't go to a good high school, who had no chance of going to college. And you would think, you know, a person who can't read or write, there's nothing to learn there. No, there's a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. Because maybe because they can't read or write, they are thinking they are watching all the time. Mm -hmm. it's, given me, it's given me insight into, into people beyond, yeah. you know, yeah. who I met in high school, who mm -hmm. I met in college. You said that, you know, things weren't going very well for you, got broke twice. And also some of the people who you were around were people who never went to college, mm -hmm. illiterate. Would you say that this was like you joined the military out of sort of desperation? And what effect do you think that has on people when like they have no other option? I, I joining the military was a really good thing for me because mm -hmm. it allowed me to go to college. Desperation, I don't think so. I, I had um I had two jobs. Um, first oh. of all, I was working as the French fry man <laughs> at a place called the Original Hot Dog in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And if you ask anybody who's been to Pittsburgh, they know about the Original Hot Dog. And I was the Big charge. Deal. I was in charge of French fries. Big there. deal. Yes. yes. 
And uh, the other thing I did when, uh, when I had the opportunity is back then there were a lot of traveling bands, mm -hmm. uh, folk, rock, pop, and I would sign on for road crew. So no, it wasn't, it wasn't desperation, but I wasn't getting anywhere. I was making enough money to eat and, and uh, pay rent, mm -hmm. but I wasn't getting ahead. And so by enlisting, I was able to get the GI Bill, which allowed me to go back to college and finish it. So it was to get ahead. Yes. Okay, let's move on a little bit. You've been, we just said, spoke outside that you've been at Lehigh for 37, 38-ish years. I think so. Uh, this, I came in 1984. This is 2022. Wow. So is that, that's 38, I think. Yeah. And, and minus the years that I would wander off yeah. to various other places and then wander back again. That is just insane to me like i was being birthed in the hospital and you were headed to your <laughs> headed to your thursday afternoon lecture <laughs> headed to your thursday afternoon lecture while i was being born is just like blows my mind every time i think about it um does it feel like 37 years there have been a lot of changes uh mm -hmm. the i think the what i find most interesting is that the quality of the undergraduates seems to be steadily going up mm. You know, I, re I remember in 84, 85, there were rarely would I get questioned. Mm. And now, now <laughs> the questions are continuous, which is great. That's, that's the key part of learning. So I, I think the quality of the undergraduates is going up. Thank you. And I think that's, that's a good improvement of Lehigh. I, I, something I left out of my biography a few minutes ago is mm -hmm. I actually spent two years working for a bank. I worked for the First National Bank of wow. Chicago. You worked in a bank? I worked in a bank. I was a terrible banker. <laughs> <laughs> I was a terrible banker. Is there anything else we need? Like you just dropped this one in here. Like you were, you worked in the bank. You worked in a bank. You've been a professor, military. What are we missing? What are you hiding? <laughs> There's more there because you just dropped. Well, that I one. already confessed. My big confession is I was a road crew of a of a music group. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that, <laughs> you silently put my, that one there. That, and we just moved my, on. <laughs> yeah, that was my big confession, right? And there. French fry guy. And I was very good at it. You know, you have to age the fries. You have to put them in the sugar water for just the right time to get the perfection. <laughs> I was very, very good with French fries. You so know, you were an amazing French fry guy, but a horrible banker. I was a terrible banker. That's all we need to know. That's yeah, so much. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my character right there. <laughs> Can you rank all your different... Okay, does French fry guy come number one? Oh, no, no, teaching. 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 Are uh, you saying that because people are going to listen to this? Be <laughs> honest. No, I, I think teaching is, is, first of all, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, if you're going to do something for the rest of your life, you should enjoy doing it. Um, but secondly, I, I think that, it, I think I'm a good teacher. I hear from the students. Yeah. And the ones I like hearing from are the ones that are 10 years after graduation. Mm. That they'll contact me and say, Professor Gunner, at work today, they raised this issue, and I remembered what you said oh. in Principles of Economics, oh my God. and the boss thinks I'm brilliant, and, wow. uh, and, I, and I write back an email and say, oh. well, send money to Lehigh. <laughs> <laughs> you give them your own account details, No, right? no, 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 no. All, all donations go to Lehigh. All donations go to Lehigh. That's you heard right. it here. Well, I, I, I was working. I was a bad banker at, mm. uh, at First Night Bank <laughs> Chicago. And so to fill my evenings, I took a job teaching at one of the local community colleges. See how you just dropped that in there? You've been doing that. Now I told you to list everything and you left that one out. <laughs> so I, after three or four weeks of teaching at the community college, I realized that teaching was what I wanted to do. What? Wait, you, you, you taught at a community college and you decided 
you, teaching was you were what like, I wanted this to is do. what I, teaching was what I wanted to do. Wow. What community college? Oh, crap. You forgot. No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> my God. Second. The community college that changed your life. You forgot what it's called. I forgot their name. Oh, they're my down, God. They, they're uh, they're. Their classes were taught in a skyscraper, or the first floor of a skyscraper, and in the loop of Chicago. But before the end of this interview, I will. I can't believe you forgot. Yeah, I can't believe you forgot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because you can't remember your life changing. Okay. Yes. I'll cut you some slack for now. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about your controversy of last february very good very good yeah. oh, it's been almost a year does it feel like that does it feel like well the <laughs> the, the controversy you're speaking of is, mm -hmm. uh, is i wrote an op-ed yes and the theme was uh poverty in the united states mm -hmm. well as you probably know uh there was a lot of uh blowback on this mm -hmm. and i think the most common objection I think it was mm -hmm. unfair, but I'll, I'll, I'll share it with the way it came, mm -hmm. is that it was victim-blaming. You know, that I was saying that, that the people who are poor, it was the result of their own decisions. And people are already poor. They're already having a very hard life. Mm -hmm. Why are you beating up on them? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that was the, the, most, common, the most common objection. Mm -hmm. um, I, this is a university. Truth is not cruel truth is not ugly truth is truth you know you have to you have to say what you believe even if even if other people will disagree even if other people will be hurt by the truth um there was calls for me to be fired um those people were from outside the university and did not understand how universities operate uh i'm a tenured faculty member um my my colleagues in the economics department think I'm a nice guy, eighty percent of the time. <laughs> um, my course is popular, so it wasn't a realistic danger that I was going to be going to be fired. Mm -hmm. But um, it did lead to a lot of uh, a lot of people sending me emails. I read them. Mm -hmm. uh, my students tell me I was attacked on Twitter, but I'm not mm -hmm. on Twitter, so that wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the uh, concern the university should have mm -hmm. is that I'm bulletproof. I'm tenured. Okay. Mm. But how about, how about people your age? How about the people just starting out in their career, maybe as an academic? Uh, what lesson is this sending to them? Is the lesson being don't get involved in controversial topics. Don't speak the truth as you see it. If so, that's a terrible lesson. Okay. Mm. Um, when did I, I, I kept track of the, I cut and pasted the angry emails I received mm -hmm. and uh, the op-eds and there were uh, news a stories lot, about a it. A lot of stuff out there, uh, yeah. So, and my, my ignoring Twitter, which I'm not on, mm -hmm. I ended up with 47 pages worth of um, criticism, mostly criticisms. Mm -hmm. As time passed, mm -hmm. I started getting more and more people saying, you know, you had a right to say it. I mm -hmm. don't agree with you, but, but you know, mm -hmm. I'm glad you said it. But the initial reaction was 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 hostile. Yeah. yeah. So forty seven pages. Forty seven pages of people against you, basically. Mostly criticism. Criticism. Some, some emails. Some uh, messages sent to the provost or sent to the dean saying mm -hmm. get rid of this guy. Mm. Um, and uh, some editorials that were written uh, against it. Uh huh. Yeah. 
47 so, pages. In those pages, and perhaps just during during everything as it was going down, were there um, opinions that you heard and sort of you could see where it was where it was coming from, or what the where do you think the what was where, where, where do you think it was all coming from? Like the the issue that people were having. You know, I I, I think uh, you know uh, one of the things I I argued is is the argument has been made that poverty is generational. Mm-hmm. That if your grandparents were poor, your parents were poor, you'll be poor, your children will be poor, you can't escape from it. So I looked at the data. And the data shows not as good as it used to be, but there is still a lot of movement that people born in the bottom uh, 20% as far as incomes, a surprising number will rise to the third or the second, even some will rise, 6% will rise to the top 20%. The thing I enjoy is that people who are born in the top 20% in this country, a surprising number will find their way down to the bottom. Mm. You know, that's, uh, okay, I shouldn't. You're smiling. Shouldn't shouldn't share my my prejudices with you, but I like to see that. Okay. But that's one of the, I use the data, and I said, you know, it is not not a generational trap for everybody. Mm. And 80-something percent of the people born in the 20% sometime in their life escape and they get to to higher and some much higher and the criticism there was yes but how about the 20 percent left behind mm. you know what you've said is true mm. but it's still cruel you know because you know this this is going to make the people who haven't gotten out of poverty feel even worse mm. if they know that other people are are getting out so if if we want to actually um reduce poverty yeah I don't think you can start off by saying, we don't want to hurt the feelings of people. Mm-hmm. I think you have to start off by saying, what works and what doesn't work? How can we, how can we increase it? Mm. Yeah. Did it surprise you how many people had things to say and how big this got? Well, I, I, I took opportunity. Uh, a lot of student groups wanted to talk to me after this. Mm. And I s- took advantage of every one of them. Mm. And that was fascinating. That mm. was fascinating. Because um, uh, various student groups expressing some of the same concerns that uh, were sent to me in emails and stuff. But being across the table, Mm. you know, there was the opportunity for saying, yes, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. However, if we want the future to be different, then maybe we should be focused on how can we motivate everybody to graduate from high school? You know, uh, and that's a different conversation than the conversation of, I was called a racist. Um, I don't. I'm not. Um, you know, and you might say, what's your definition of racist? And we can talk about that. Um, to, to call a person a racist, to call a person ignorant, to call a person a fool, um, that doesn't begin a dialogue. That ends a dialogue. That ends a discussion. And uh, meeting with the student groups, that wasn't the way it went. You know, people were cursing me on email but when I met with the student groups, they said, Professor Gunner, we think you're entirely wrong for these reasons. And I could say, I understand your argument, and my counterargument is this. And I, I thought that was, that was valuable. So you think it's very different talking to them like face-to-face rather than the online uh, things people <laughs> are doing? Absolutely. If the conversation is really going to change minds, it has to be between people sitting across the table. Yes, I, <laughs> I said what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the response video? Yes, I did. Yeah, yes, what do you what do you think about that? I I think it was I, I would again I would have liked it to if we'd been sitting across the across table the so table. I could have said good argument but my counter argument mm. is 
But uh, we got some really smart people. They were, yeah. uh, I'm trying to remember the three names. We got some really smart people at the university. Yeah. There, and that was, that was valuable. I mean, I um, but it shouldn't have been, um, uh, let me do some advertising here. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the faculty senate in March, I think it's March 25th, is going to do a open panel discussion on freedom of speech, on academic freedom. Mm. And that, I think, would be very valuable. I'm going to be on the panel. That'll be very valuable because we're going to have different views sitting across the table from each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of dialogue is what changes minds. Mm -hmm. Not me yelling, not somebody else yelling, but but the dialogue. Not a video and a response video? It it was good, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad people were able to get two alternative views. Mm -hmm. I was right. They were wrong. Uh, But... (laughs) (laughs) I think it was valuable to get two alternative views, but I think it would have been more valuable yet if we'd been across the table from each other. You think they were wrong, though? I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, boy, this, uh, let me give a short answer to mm-hmm. what requires a very long answer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming at the question from different viewpoints entirely. Mm-hmm. An economist, a sociologist, uh, a psychologist, an anthropologist, a political scientist are all going to see the question from a different viewpoint. Um, I was surprised at the response I got from a lot of economists to my op-ed. And their response was, I don't understand the controversy. Mm. You know, they, they're, as economists, they looked at what I said and said, yes, of course, this is, this is not anything anybody argues about in economics. Mm. Okay. But it, it is a very unusual view, maybe for uh, sociology, to look at a to look at a uh, problem uh, such as poverty from this direction. So you think a big part of it was a different uh, difference in perception and understanding of the topics that you were discussing. Yes. You know, and and you know, I, I don't want to pick on sociology. I, I I've had the uh, one a very good discussion with one of our literature uh, professors, mm-hmm. and her argument was is that um, what I was saying is inconsistent with the lived experience of so many people mm-hmm. and you know that is that is something that a uh that she thought was a critical viewpoint um i think it's a valuable viewpoint but the critical viewpoint is to look at it as an economic issue of response to incentives mm-hmm. so is one of us right and the other one wrong no we're both partly right yeah mm-hmm. that's a Good way to put it. Both partly right. Both right. partly right. Both yes. partly right. That's and what I'll, we're going to call I'll, this. And I'll deny saying that, even though there's, <laughs> even though there's a recording of it. I'll deny saying that. <laughs> I'm right, and they're wrong. <laughs> what do you imagine will be the long-term effects of what happened in overall, like Lehigh culture? But it's, it's yes, it's what should be in the future if something like this happens. What should be the university's response? And the university's response should be to paraphrase Voltaire. (laughs) And the university should say, um, let's say I write another op-ed. The university should say, uh, we disagree with what Frank said, but we support his right to say it 100%. That's the proper response from a university, that we disagree with Professor Jones in the biology department said, but we as a university support his or her right 100% to say it. That, that should be the response. A, a, a university is, if you are not deeply offended 
<laughs> by something you hear in class at least once a semester, <laughs> then we owe you a refund. Mm. We, we owe you a refund. Because a university is where awkward and painful ideas are openly expressed in a place that your family doesn't openly express them, and increasingly society won't openly express them. Okay? Mm. Um, it's a uni- that's the role of a university is, is to talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about. Mm. And that's how progress is made. So the university should be the place for, for you. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're a junior or senior. I am a junior, yeah. Uh, for you, for a junior to have and to speak outrageous ideas that have never been heard before in an environment where people will respond that, I hear what you're saying, I think you're wrong, and this is why I think you're wrong. And then you can say, I hear your response, but I think you're wrong. Mm. Because the world is, seems to be becoming increasingly less willing to accept that. Ask question about this, I think, <laughs> hopefully. <Okay. laughs> We've talked about this for a while. But um, you've you spoken about your, your 47 pages and just, you know, <laughs> the way, the way you're, you're talking about this right now. Do you want me to send you my 47 pages? <laughs> <laughs> I think I would like to see them. Okay. <laughs> but the way you're talking about it, and I don't know if it's because it's been a while, but you mm-hmm. seem very, like, almost just relaxed and fine with it. I don't know if there was ever I a was difficult moment or what, what was the most difficult, if, there, if you can rank them, moment throughout the whole thing. Um, no. I think the thing that upset me was not anonymous emails or emails from people I don't know. Why should I be upset at being cursed at by somebody I don't know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was my colleagues, some of my colleagues, in the administration, some of my colleagues on the faculty mm-hmm. um, felt badly uh, uh, felt bad towards me, or, or expressed the fact that mm-hmm. they were they were angry or or, or uh, upset. Mm-hmm. And I would have thought that after being here for so many years, after having worked with many of these people on so many different things, that they would n- have said, "Wait a second, uh, I know Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably has good reason for what he said." But um, to be prideful, am I allowed to be prideful if my grandmother? You can be whatever you want. Um, I've been shot at, Um, shot at twice. Uh, Once you've been shot at and they missed, um, somebody yelling at you is not a really serious thing. You know, it's not really. You know, you know. um, Next time, shoot at him. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) 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 Got to go a little bit harder. I would like you. I would like you to cancel that statement if you would. <laughs> but but you know it's it's and maybe that's my advantage of of being seventy years old, seventy seventy two in a month, mm-hmm. um, is that I've been through much worse things, mm-hmm. and being yelled at by strangers is is pretty low on the list. People I respect being angry. Well, that that hits you. You know. Um, you know why? Why did you? write this frank and i'll i'll respond to them and say well the reason i wrote it is this what what's your objection mm-hmm. because i do respect them i do know them but a stranger why sh- why should i care and i don't mm. did you i, I mean i kind of lied because i said that was going to be the last question about all this but i guess i have another one um did you, you i mean you understood where people were coming from did you in, in some cases they made the effort to make me to let me understand where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. Some just cursed. Mm. You know, you're this, you're that, you're this, you should be fired. End of message. 
you know, who cares? I, yeah. You know, you, you glance at it and you don't, don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Some people made the effort to, to actually explain to me where they were coming from. And I, I responded to some of those. Yeah. Um, some didn't want a response. They made it very clear they didn't want a response, but some I did respond to. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, we're back to me and my colleagues in the College of Arts. Uh, I, th- I think I have part of the truth. And for you saying you have another part doesn't negate the part I have. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, both, both things could be true. You know, economically, um, you know, the um, economically gener- poverty is not a generational thing in the United States. Mm-hmm. But as from a sociologist viewpoint, that might be a devastating um, statement to families that have found themselves for three generations in poverty. You know, why is everybody else able to escape, but we can't? Okay. So I'm, I have a chunk of the truth. They have a chunk of the truth. The fact mm-hmm. that you believe one doesn't negate the other. Mm. This is a very interesting conversation. You've gone very deep. Thank into, you. Into oh my gosh. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Writers are about to move on, but certain, I guess certain. you could, you could still like put this question in relation to everything that happened. Um, but either that or generally, what are some misconceptions you think people have about you? A misconception. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I think my teaching persona Mm. and my actual real you know uh what my colleagues think when we go out for a beer mm. is is very very different mm. very very different you're not cracking jokes at the bar and no, no. <laughs> you know, but that persona the teaching persona and the real life persona is is uh is different mm. different so you think the misconception is just about like your personality and how you interact with people well you know like yourself, I have friends who have known me all my life that uh, I can't fool, I can't deceive. You know, as soon as I say something that I don't believe 100%, they'll say. <laughs> you know. um, but most of your time you work with people that you meet only at work or you meet for only two hours a month during a, during a session meeting. Mm-hmm. And do we really know these people? No, we don't. Mm-hmm. You do you usually have seven fifty five classes, right? I only want seventy five classes. Why? Because I'm Why? I get up at five every morning and that's 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 the Marines. I think about the children. Think about us. <laughs> <laughs> think, about, <laughs> think about us. We're like fighting for our lives every morning at seven o'clock. I took it during I, <laughs> Oh my God! I'm I wake up. It's ever since I got out of the Marines, or because of the Marines, I wake up at five a.m. every day. Okay, and my most productive part of the day is from five to ten or five to eleven. Mm. And so I, I get up, I'll eat breakfast, I'll exercise, and I'll sit down and do economics until it's time to leave for campus. So I see the seven fifty-five to be the best time to teach because oh. that is when I'm on my game, and oh. um, the students. <laughs> Don't seem to like it. (laughs) (laughs) But I've I've never had trouble. I mean, you can do 920 if you're trying to be early. You can do like 1045. 755. And, and you know, I I never have trouble filling the class. So Mm. that's what the dean, not the dean, that's what the chairman cares about. (laughs) Mm. Um, I never have trouble filling the class. So that's that's fine. Okay, I tried, guys. Did my best. Not (laughs) (laughs) not budging. Well, let me ask you a question. When is the earliest class? Where's the earliest class that you consider acceptable? 
the earliest 920 yes. 925 920 at 920 least. okay consider right. it please the people are asking <laughs> they're on their knees I will carefully consider your idea, and then I'm going to reject it. Then <laughs> keep, keep, keep teaching it uh, 755. Okay. <laughs> it has been great. You agree? I, you know, I. It is. Your questions were completely unexpected. Really? And oh, it is. I, I prepared. I prepared to answer <laughs> one set of questions, but. Um, I think it was much better. You think the so? The questions were unexpected questions. So you made me think things That's I hadn't feedback. thought about for a while. So uh, you're not disappointed. You're no, gonna no, have to touch no, no. your notes out. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Great, greatly appreciate it. Greatly appreciate it. Still, go read the book and take his class. Polit- we didn't get to talk about it, so I have to do a shout out. Take now, political economy of Iraq. And for you, mm-hmm. that class is taught in the afternoon. Oh, thank it's, you. It's mostly seniors. Mostly How kind. Seniors. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me today. Any final thoughts? No, no. Uh, you know, this is this is extremely. You told me this is a new program. Yeah, this it's is new. fantastic. Oh, this thank is very you. Good. Oh, my gosh. Now we're going to have like amazing numbers just because you said that. Well, you should. Thanks for the endorsement. Yeah, you should have amazing numbers. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. And I will see you in two weeks. Two weeks. (laughs) Bye-bye. You've been listening to Lehigh Insider. Find us every other week on the Brown and White Spotify. This show is created and edited by me, Benor Ayambem, and produced by The Brown and White. Music for this show is produced by DJ Zen. You can find her on Instagram at I am DJ Zen. And while you're there, follow at Lehigh Insider and at LU Brown White. Check us out at thebrownandwhite.com slash Lehigh Insider for pictures, videos, and other extras from our episodes. Very exclusive, very fun. You'll love it. And I will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.